Morning, welcome to Breton Baptist Church Online. My name is Brian Stockard, a minister to the church. So it's great to be here with you again this morning. I just want to start before I share what God's placed on my heart from the book of John chapter four, John's gospel that is, um, to just to encourage people to know how the doorstep blessings are really spreading and having an impact beyond our church. I've got a heart to reverse what we understand a pandemic to be. A pandemic is seen in the disease sense that it's spreading rapidly. But I want to reverse that to a pandemic of blessings, a pandemic of doorstep blessings across Peterborough, across Cambridgeshire and other counties, the whole nations. I'm so inspired to hear the many stories. I heard of a story of people receiving um, boxes of vegetables delivered from a local company. And some of those doorstep blessings of fruit and vegetables have blessed multiple people. So not only are um, the people being blessed who are receiving it on their doorstep, multiple more people are receiving the excess food that they, the one person can't consume. But also what struck me on this particular um, initiative is the businesses, the local businesses being blessed. It doesn't matter whether you're a member of the church or whether you're associated to the church or whether you're a neighbor or a stranger, a friend or foe, a business or a charity. Let's get this pandemic spreading far and wide. I had an email come to me from a local church in Peterborough asking us, can you give us examples of this doorstep blessing? We heard it on your Strength for Today video uh, link that you send out. Um, I, I got a phone call uh, from another church in Buckinghamshire asking about this doorstep blessing. I shared with a bunch of ministers I meet up with on a frequent basis and they said, we're going to steal that idea. This pandemic of doorstep blessings, reversing the curse of the disease and making it into a blessing is certainly having an impact on our community. It's like an oxygen of encouragement. So may I ask you and invite you to continue spreading that oxygen of encouragement, giving life to other people, bringing a smile and reversing the curse of what people are in, in experiencing of the impact of this disease, this pandemic that we're facing in a reality of today. Let's reverse the curse and get engaged in the doorstep blessings even more so. Joshua chapter 10 reminds us, don't hold back. Don't be timid. Be strong. Be confident. Whether you are sending a letter, uh, sending a card, sending a parcel, standing at the door and chatting, or whether you are making a phone call or whether you are leaving something nice and running, spread that pandemic of doorstep blessings. Let's get it going. Pass it on and you will see a multitude of people blessed beyond your wildest imaginations. And I believe we will see a transformation in this land. Let us pray before we start getting into John chapter 4. 
Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that through us recognizing how blessed we are, we can be a blessing unto many more people. Father, as we open our hearts and our minds and our souls to your word in John's gospel, chapter four, let us just allow the blessings flood through like a raging river, a rushing river, a stream running through us. Lord, fill us afresh with your word to inspire us, to encourage us, to give us life-giving water that comes from your word. Fill us afresh, Lord, so we can become all we are becoming in you for your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It might seem strange to you and everything, me being here in the middle of the day in the heat of the sun, but it's the only time I can come to get water nowadays because, well, everyone else whispers and talks behind my back and everything if I come at dusk or dawn like ev um, everyone else. But there was this one time that changed everything. I know. I went to the well to get my water, as usual. And I saw a man there. Oh no, a man. It's a woman's work to come and get water. And not only was he a man, but he was a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan. Well, I could tell by the way he dressed that he was Jewish. Then I was blown away by this. He spoke to me. Oh no, he spoke to me. He goes, will you give me a drink? I was like, you're a Jew? I'm a Samaritan? What are you doing asking me for a drink? And he goes, if you knew who it was asking for a drink, if you knew the gift of God, you'd ask me for a drink and I'd give you life-giving water. I was like, sir, trying to be respectful and all, where are you going to get this water? You haven't even got a bucket. Are you greater than our ancestor, Jacob, who dug this well in the first place? But then he goes, anyone who drinks from this well will be thirsty again. Well, I knew that because water runs out, doesn't it? But he said, the water I give you will well up inside you and be life-giving water, giving life forever. I was like, whoa, that would be brilliant. I'd never have to come here to the well again. I'd never have to come and get more water if it didn't run out. And so I said to him, yeah, tell me more. But Jesus, that's how I found out it was later. Jesus said to me, go and get your husband and I'll tell you more. And I was like, oh, awkward. I haven't got a husband, I said. I know, said Jesus. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now, he isn't your husband. I was like, are you a prophet or something that you know stuff like this about me? I, we worship God on this mountain, but I know you Jews, so we have to go down to Jerusalem and worship God in the temple. But one day the Messiah will come and he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus goes, yeah, that's me, I'm the Messiah. 
<laughs> he said, one day we will all worship God in spirit and in truth. Well, that gave me something to think about. And just then, Jesus' friends turn up. Well, you should have seen their faces when they saw Jesus talking to me. So I went quick as a flash back to the city. And I said to everyone I knew, could this be the Messiah? Jesus, he told me about everything I ever did. And he promised me life-giving water. Water that would never, ever run out. However much you went back for it, Jesus said that his life in us would well up and we would live forever and know God for ourselves. We persuaded Jesus to stay for two more days. Loads of us decided to become his followers. Life's never been the same. It's been awesome. Well... The account we had dramatised to us by Rachel Jessup in a wonderful Western Cockney accent um, is just an example of how John reminds us the impact of Jesus meeting Jesus for the very first time for the very first time again. This um, account is taken from chapter 4, verses 1 to 42, which I encourage you to take with you after today and digest it, reflect, rest, read and reflect and see how God impacts your life. This was a divine appointment that caused the spreading of the blessing of new life life-giving hope. Jesus says that salvation comes from the Jews first, verse 22. And in a similar vein, with these doorstep blessings, it first came to the the people of Breton Baptist Church. It is now spreading to the neighbours, to the friends, to the foes and to the strangers. See how God's blessing spreads like a wild raging fire or river that brings newness, warmth and hope and life. The challenge here is, as we look at this passage, is these doorstep blessings are not just for the people we know and the people that we can relate to easily, the people that are like us. They are for unlocking cultural doors. These doorstep blessings are a tool for you and me to unlock cultural differences. This story in John's Gospel, this account, this, I believe, true story in John's Gospel, chapter 4, is an example of how Jesus leads the way of unlocking cultural doors. Jesus entered the territory where all Jews would rather not go. In fact, they were instructed very clearly and specifically, do not go to the land of the Samaritans in Samaria. Do not tread there. Take a wide berth. Take the longest route round. Go via the motorway. Avoid going through that town. It is not good for you. Luke reminds us of the danger of this territory in chapter 10 of his gospel about the Good Samaritan, which you all know too well. 
This is Jesus' lead on how we can spread the blessings and break down cultural, religious, spiritual and social boundaries, unlocking the doors of, of, of blockage. And you and I, who have got that life-giving water, who drink from the well of life, have the power from heaven to break down those cultural doors, to open them up, to unlock them. What doors are we in danger of leaving locked in our desire to be where Jesus is calling us to be? We live in a lovely part in South Breton. It's beautiful, absolutely lovely community. Across the road, literally footsteps away, is a more challenging part of our community. I'm a part of some of the social Facebook pages to keep in touch and engaging with the issues over there and getting to know people. I deliberately go there every day for a walk to engage with people, to step into territory that is a, a challenge. Behind every door of every house is a subculture to all other cultures. Before I was a Christian, I remember standing at the door to a family who I thought were fake, who, who were very lovely, smiley, pleasant, um, and, and they were just too nice to be true. In my suspicious mind, in the way that I was brought up, I suspected that it was not authentic. Until the day I became a Christian, the day I met Jesus and I started attending a church that they as a family were attending. And I got to know this family and got to know the authenticity, the integrity of their uh, friendliness, of their joy, of their excellent character. In fact, the family became such an inspiration to me. I modelled some of my parenting based on their modelling of parenting. They are now lifelong friends. Once upon a time, I would never have associated with them, but now I'm able to associate with them. Uh, on that day, when I met Christ, a cultural door was unlocked. And this is what I believe this passage is saying to me for all of us, is how are we engaging in unlocking cultural doors, different cultural doors to ourselves? This account of the woman at the well is a remarkable account of unlocking those cultural doors. Jesus paved the way for the people of Israel to become what was promised and prophesied thousands of years prior to this. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 4, and God says, I will make your offsprings, Abraham, as numerous as the stars of heaven. It, in some accounts in the scriptures, it's, it's grains of sands. And I will give to your offspring all these lands and all the nations of the earth shall gain blessings for themselves through your offspring. See how this is all being linked together to the doorstep blessings? How we, through these doorstep blessings, are bringing this life-giving stream to other people. If we've received this life-giving living water, then we must allow it to flow through us. 
Reaching the Samaritan people was the first closed cultural door to be unlocked as we've got recorded. Several cultural breakthroughs took place in this one encounter. Jesus, known to be a holy man, should not get close to unclean people. Jesus knew this and Jesus stepped over those legalistic boundaries, those legalistic lines of cultural diversity, of cultural um, differences. Samaria was a place where bandits waited for anyone coming through the lands to rob them, to beat them and rob them, as we had mentioned earlier in Luke chapter 10, reminds us of the Good Samaritan story. The woman was of bad character. There's no way to hide the fact. The fact that she went to the well at the middle of the day in the hottest part of the day to hide from those that um, um, rebuked her and, and scorned her and snubbed her and made her feel dirty and shameful and guilty and ugly. The woman um, would um, be alone all the time never to be allowed to engage in a conversation with her own kind, let alone a Jew and let alone Jesus, although she didn't know this was the Messiah at the first instance, which we'll come back to. Claiming that it does not matter, this is Jesus, what mountain we praise God from, whether it's Gerasim or whether it's Jerusalem or any other mountain, He says, doesn't he, to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Doorstep blessings is from the Christians of Breton Baptist Church. But... The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers, the true doorstep blessers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. Doorstep blessings is not a way of looking and sounding good. Do it in secret. Do it so that nobody knows where it comes from. But encourage them in the word of God and in passing the blessing on. See, this woman was seen as dirty in every respect. That's why she was alone in the middle of the day, going to the well without the sense of community and fellowship and oneness. Everyone would have warned people like Jesus, any Jew, to avoid this territory. It is too dangerous, ungodly, and it will corrupt good character and good reputation. Jesus disregards all of that. I guess that's why he must have allowed or sent his disciples off to go and get some food because maybe they would have interrupted it. Maybe they would have managed to um, steer him away from his journey, his path into uncharted territory. We need to learn to travel through uncharted territory with life-giving water. I'm going to show you a little video clip of a 1979 advert of KP Crisps. Many of you will remember it. If you are much younger than that, you probably won't remember it. 
Um, but it just reminds 30 seconds long. Sit back and enjoy this wonderful little clip. Morning, friars. Brother Benjamin is joining us today with a sincere wish to become a KP friar. Welcome, Welcome brother. brother. Now, what is this? I don't know. It's all covered in mud. Oh, dear. It's a potato. And it's from the potato we produce some of the lightest, crispiest crisps ever created. Mmm, delicious. Truly a crisp amongst crisps. Oh, I like that. We'll use it as our slogan. KP, truly a crisp amongst crisps. Oh, that was jolly quick. What is it? I don't know, it's all covered in mud. It's a potato. It's a potato. Um, as you can see, I've got a potato. It's not all covered in mud. It's not one I've recently dug up. It's one I took out the packet. I have grown my own fruit and vegetables and potatoes come out very dirty. But when you clean them, they start to look much nicer, but they still don't look amazingly nice until you start using them for their purposes, until you make them into crisps, maybe. Maybe you're a crisp lover. Um, if you love crisps, then you love potatoes. Maybe you love French fries or chips then you love potatoes. Maybe you love mashed potato with gravy on it um, or with other seasonings, then you love potato. Maybe you love roast potatoes or boiled potatoes or whatever potatoes you like. Most of us eat potatoes. It is one of the basic and most used um, foods that we have in our daily diet. It is something we feel we can't do without. But at first, when you dig it out of the ground, it does not look good. It does not look nice. It's, it's dirty. It's full of mud and muck. And until you wash it off with pure water, until you start to clean the potato and wash it off, not only do you see that it looks much better, but you start to see how it can be cleaned, washed, and start to reveal its true identity, its true beauty, its true use. Sadly, we live in a world where a lot of people feel dirty and ugly. Why is that? That's not God's doing. That's not life giving. That is what we in our world have covered people in. In that advert, it says, um, um, something about truly a crisp to all crisps or for all crisps. If we are washed in the life-giving water of Jesus Christ, we are truly a Christian among Christians. So the advert said truly a crisp among crisps. And as we are washed in the life-giving water of Jesus, we become a Christian, a Christ follower among Christ followers. We know this story in chapter four of John's gospel ends beautifully, powerfully with the first sign of evangelism among non-typical Jewish people. And the, the most surprising thing and the most wonderful thing about this is the cryptic conversation that Jesus has with this woman. She does not recognize that this is Jesus at first. Now, your doorstep blessing may come as a surprise to some people because nobody gets a doorstep blessing or very few people get a doorstep blessing. But to get it as an act of random kindness to pass a blessing on starts the curiosity juices flowing. It's like an oxygen of encouragement. 
And, and this is what happens at the well. Um, the woman engages with this Jewish man, this holy man, and it's, and it's giving oxygen of encouragement to her soul. And this cryptic conversation is a two-way dialogue where Jesus um, meets her and, he said, and she said to the, um, to the Samaritan woman, um, how is this that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? She knows what she's like. She knows what the Jews think of her. She's not blinded to the fact that the Jews think really badly of these some Samarian people. Jesus asked her, if you knew the gift of God and who is, who is it, it, who it is that is saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. Now she's getting confused. What about, what are you talking about living water? You haven't even got a bucket. You haven't even come with a bucket and you've asked me for a drink. Are you asking to use my bucket? This is my bucket. I need to fill my bucket. You haven't got a bucket. The reason why he hasn't got a bucket is because he is the source of the living water. He is the source. He doesn't need a bucket. We have buckets that need filling. The problem is some of our buckets are empty. Some of our buckets have got holes in it. And her bucket has got gaping holes in it. She has run dry. But Jesus tantalizes, he dangles the carrot. He, he, he arouses her curiosity. And he keeps in dialogue until she starts to get the difference between the, the, the water that we need on a daily basis and the living water that comes from eternal life through Jesus Christ. Until she gets that, until she sees that all water on earth points to the living water that comes of God. We know she gets the story in the end. And we know it has a remarkable impact upon how she responds to this living water. Jesus is dangling a spiritual drink upon her. Jesus is daring her to drink a drink that she's never drank before. I wonder what your favorite flavored water is. Here we have um, pineapple and passion fruit. Pineapple and passion fruit. Sounds absolutely delicious. And here again, we have another flavor, cranberry and raspberry. Oh, absolutely delicious. Oh, here we have um, another flavor, lemon and lime flavored water. Whatever flavor water you love most, the living water that comes from the stream of Jesus Christ refreshes every fiber of our bodies. So the final question begins to hit to the core of her desire. The exposure of her deepest emptiness opens her to the reality of the cryptic dialogue, paving her way for spiritual renewal. She lets her guard down. She is now in a place of receiving. If you are like me, I was brought up in, in a mindset that was suspicious of anyone that was different to me. Praise God, my um, cultural doors and lights have been uh, renewed. She meets Jesus for the first time. At first, she doesn't realize it's him. How would you know whether you've met Jesus? 
Do you know Jesus is with you right here, right now? Do you know Jesus has turned up to your well, to your dry well? Do you know Jesus is looking at your empty bucket? I wonder whether you've perceived it. I wonder whether you know it. I wonder whether you feel, no, I can't see him. I can't hear him. I can't feel him. I can't taste him. What are you talking about, Brian? If you haven't felt you've met Jesus today, then perhaps you're seeing things the wrong way. Perhaps you're seeing things the way you're choosing to see them. The way, perhaps you're choosing to see the things the way you are rather than the way they really are. I wonder if you met Jesus today, if you, if you realised that you were standing in the presence of Jesus, what you would ask him. I wonder why you would ask him what you're thinking that you would ask him. Would it make a difference for you? Would it give you life? Would it bring you life, the question that you have for Jesus? I believe Jesus is already there with you right now, among you. How do you know you have not already met Jesus? How do you know you've not missed that opportunity of filling your bucket? of having your bucket repaired. I guess if you're saying you've not met him, you haven't gone to the well, to the living well, to the stream, to the source, to Jesus. You don't need to go far. You just need to stop, look and listen. If you're struggling to see Jesus, Maybe you need to take notice of this um, reference that uh, a French novelist once said, Nais Nin, we do not see things as they are. We see things the way we are. A teacher was approached by a little boy in her classroom who told her that he'd drawn God. The teacher thought, well, how can you draw God? No one has seen God, so nobody can draw God. And the little boy looked back at her and replied, that's why I've drawn him, so that everyone will know what he looks like. At a previous church that I was minister to, I was met by one of the attendees halfway through the week from the previous Sunday saying how disappointed they were of the Sunday service and how God was not present at the service. And he, when I said, oh, I'm sorry about that, I, 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 I preached what I believe God, God asked me to preach on. He said, no, 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 I didn't mean you. I meant the, all the other things surrounding it. Read into that what you like. But the point of it is, he said, God was not at that service at all. And I said, that's very interesting. I don't know how you measure where God is and whether God's power is at work. But answer me this. On that day, a young lady, a mum, a single mum, arrived at our church because she was visiting a friend in Milton Keynes. She lived in Leeds. On that day, she gave her life to Jesus. She met Jesus at the well for the first time and it changed her life. Tell me, how are you seeing things? The way you are, or the way it really is. How are we seeing life? 
the life-giving water. How are we seeing Jesus today? I believe if you cannot see Jesus in the person sitting next to you, in the person you love most, in your friend, in your neighbour, in your stranger, in your enemy, you are seeing it the way you are, not the way it really is. You are seeing Jesus your way, not the way he really is. Pause for a moment as you think of the complexity and the breadth of cultural diversity in this church alone, in Breton Baptist Church. If you are a member, an attendee of Breton Baptist Church, if this is your place of worship and you have given us your details of uh, who you are, you are one of at least 160 households in this church. 160 different households. That's 160 different subcultures to other cultures. And in each of those homes are multiple subcultures. If you've got children, they will have subcultures. If you go to work, you will have subcultures. If you attend any activities, obviously, only online at the moment, they are subcultures. We live in a society where subcultures are multiplied and are, uh, make up the full breadth and diversity of the culture of one land, of one community. So therefore, the challenge is, how do we become one church, one culture, one people with a set of common values and a set of common principles and beliefs of theology and sociology and all the other ologies as one church, as one community, when we've got over 160 subcultures? The challenge is huge. But we can break through some of the locked cultural boundaries because Jesus leads the way with this life-giving water that reminds us that we are able to connect with each other because we have this commonality of Jesus Christ as the risen Lord who is the source of the life-giving water who unlocks cultural doors of, of socio sociological backgrounds, of religious backgrounds and differences of spiritual perspectives, etc., etc. Jesus is the source to unlock cultural doors. I wonder how the conversation would have gone with this woman at the well if all of his closest, nearest and dearest was with him. I wonder if the story would be completely different because when they returned, although they didn't say it, they did question in themselves why Jesus was talking to this woman. And at that point, she runs off and she runs to her village and she shares it with the village and the village comes rushing to the source of the stream, Jesus Christ. And they want their bucket filled. Their bucket is empty. Their bucket has been empty for too long. They've got holes in their bucket and they want their bucket restored and they want their bucket overflowing. Do you want your bucket to overflow? How is your spiritual bucket today? Is your spiritual bucket filled with holes of rejection, of failure, of unworthiness, of loneliness, of feeling unliked and unloved? Is there damage to your bucket? 
See, this life-giving stream, this rushing, um, uh, beautiful, pure water. You know, it talks about living water. L the, the description here is running water, pure water, not stagnant. Maybe your spirituality has become stagnant. Don't blame it on anyone else. We are each responsible for the life-giving water to flood through us. Sometimes many people's spirituality becomes stagna stagnated. And what happens with um, stagnant water is it gets moldy. And you've got to clear the mold off first. You've got to empty the old water out, the dirty water out first, and have it replaced with the living water from the stream. I'm going to hold my bucket because I want my bucket filled. Whether you do it literally or metaphorically, imagine you're holding your spiritual bucket. The life-giving water that comes from the well that Jesus is talking about isn't a physical well in a physical land. It is of a new country, a heavenly country, and it can only be drank from heaven's well, heaven's stream. And God deliberately brought that living stream to the earth in the person of Jesus, so that people could physically meet him and know that this is something of the nature and the character of God. This is what God looks like, feels like, tastes like, smells like. And he knew that this physical life was not the essence of the living water. The living water flows from heaven's well, heaven's springs. So God, in his infinite wisdom, as Jesus reminds us later on in John's gospel, gives us the Holy Spirit. That is an ever-flowing stream of life. The woman said to him, Sir, Verse 15, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty again or have to keep coming here to draw water. She started to get the message and when she got it, it transformed her life, her mindset. It, 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 didn't, it wasn't a sense of brainwashing. The word of God does not brainwash. It washes our brain. It washes our heart. It washes our soul and it even washes our body. It renews our body, our heart, our mind, our soul. It brings life. And the question is, if we have that life, how are we allowing it to be poured on to others? How are we passing this life-giving stream onto others? Because we become a life-giving inspiration and encouragement to other people. We have the life-giving power of Jesus. And if we have the life-giving power of Jesus, we would naturally and supernaturally pass that on. If that's not happening, if that's not happening, my guess is, at the very least, your bucket is empty or almost empty. Maybe there's just a little trickle and you're holding on to that little trickle maybe that's become stagnant and you need to empty it. Get rid of the stagnated water and get your bucket ready for the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. Because you know what? God's word reminds us 
of the life-giving water that comes from heaven. You are adopted, his word says. That gives you life, being a, knowing that you're adopted into the heavenly family with the heavenly Father, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit just gives you life to overflowing. It is full of abundance. It reminds us that we are ambassadors of the good news, not of the pandemic of the disease, but a pandemic of blessings that have been promised to us and prophesied to us and poured out to us since the time of Genesis and Abraham to all nations and to all our offsprings. We are like shining stars, shining lights in the universe, Paul says in Philippians. We are jewels in his crown. How much do you want your bucket to be filled? What are you waiting for? You don't need to wait anymore. The bucket of your life can be overflowing with the affirmation of redemption, of forgiveness, of that you are a new creation. You are blessed beyond your wildest imagination. You are anointed with gifts of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts to make a difference, to be a blessing to others. These gifts, they are given to you. You are blessed with spiritual gifts. Pass them on, use them, bless others with them. God is doing something new in our lives. We are called friends of Jesus. We are called heirs to the kingdom of heaven. How are you allowing your bucket to be filled? Maybe it's time to open up the lid of your bucket. Maybe it's time to get your bucket repaired. Maybe it's time for you to realize the life-giving water that you receive from heaven. Because when we receive that life-giving water, we become um, life-givers and not life-drainers. What are you? A life-giver or a life-drainer? I know that Jesus is a life-giver. And the day that I met Jesus, I became alive more than I've ever been alive. And every day I let my bucket get filled to overflowing. I get a newness of that living water. Brothers and sisters, friends and strangers, don't hold back. Don't be timid. Come with courage. Come with confidence that God will fill your bucket. Come with me as I lead us into a time of prayer for you to receive a fresh anointing of that running, that living stream into your life. It changes our lives, it transforms us, it heals the holes in our lives, whether emotionally, spiritually, physically or mentally, socially or even sexually. It fills those holes. So come with me as I lead us into a prayer. Just hold out your hands, hold your buckets. Just imagine you've got your spiritual bucket in your hand. And I dare you to be courageous. I've been challenged by many people. I love going into prisons and I say to men when they ask about the gospel, are you man enough? Are you man enough for the gospel? I use another word that sounds like 
football, but without the foot. I say, ah, have you got what it takes? Are you courageous? Do you want to be courageous? Really courageous? Do you want to be healed? Do you want new life? And if you don't, that's fine. Then don't come to the well. The woman came to the well thinking that this water from this land was what she needed. But what she needed was so much more. She had holes in her life and her bucket was empty. If your bucket is empty, if you have holes in your bucket and it's leaking, come to the well, come to Jesus now and say with me, Jesus, I'm dry, I'm empty, I've got holes, I'm leaking. Repair my bucket by the power of your name, by the life-giving spirit. Heal my bucket, fill my bucket to overflowing, that I may become a greater life giver to pour out this living water, this living spirit, this living Jesus, this life for eternity now and forever. Father, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of allowing my bucket to grow empty, to dry empty. Forgive me for allowing my bucket to become unkept and damaged and whole uh, and filled with holes. Forgive me for allowing the dirt to cling to me. Forgive me for not letting your water wash over me and cleanse me to reveal my true beauty, which is in you. Adopted child, anointed child, an ambassador of your kingdom, an heir to your kingdom, a good news spreader, a Christian among Christians, a Christ-like among Christ-like, a Christ follower among Christ followers. Father, I renounce the ways of this world and all that I once desired, I renounce them in Jesus' name and I die to them and rise in you and I receive the living water, the stream, the ever-flowing stream that flows from heaven. Receive it, I do now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.